1: What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of the No Gimmicks Podcast. I'm your humble host, as always, Brady Leonard. Hopefully you guys had a terrific weekend. Uh, boy, oh boy. <laughs> Plenty to get to today. Plenty to get to today. The new cycle has been an absolute fire hose, and I will get to as much as I possibly can. I was joined by my friend Tyler Grant. It's always a, a great time talking to Ty. I think you guys really enjoy our chat. Uh, before I get to Mr. Grant, I need to say hi to our friends and sponsors over at the Aetherverse Ladies and gentlemen, uh, well, you can turn off cable news, very stressful, uh, a very perilous time in our country, um, and it's probably time to put the Xbox remote down, too. Uh, look, you've probably gone through Netflix's entire catalog. If you're asking me, I'd say it's time to read a book. Pick up a book. Come on. Go lay in the hammock. Go lay on the porch. Read a book. Uh, let me talk to you about The Eighth Verse. The Eighth Verse is a brand new libertarian-leaning sci-fi novel by authors Joey DeUrso and Eugene Bryan. You guys are really going to like this book, man. I'm really enjoying it myself. Uh, the story is more relevant than ever. Um, I don't You'll, you'll get why <laughs> once you start reading it. Uh, it makes politics and social satire exciting and fun, mixing ideological debates with awesome stuff like space battles and action and violence and you know all that good stuff. It has something for everybody: political intrigue, war stories, romance, humor. It appeals to conservatives and libertarians alike. Uh, best of all, best of all, it is fiercely anti-social justice warrior and pulls no punches. Uh, get more information at theAetherverse.com. That is theAetherverse. Dot com, uh, and I also will include uh, the link to Amazon in the show notes. Definitely check them out. And these guys are libertarian-leaning authors. Please, so you have to support uh, libertarian and conservative art. Uh, we, we talk all the time about how the left kind of has the market cornered uh, in the arts and uh, – that sucks, and, but you can do something about it. You can actually support people like me and what I do. You can support guys like Joey and Eugene. Uh, please check them out at the And, guys, please also follow us on Twitter at NoGimmicksPod. Please subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, or Spotify. If you're on iTunes, please give us a five-star rating and a good review. I'd really appreciate it. All right, without further ado, here's my chat with Tyler Grant. <laughs> All right, guys, we're here with my friend Tyler Grant. Tyler, brother, how you doing?
0: Doing well. Still in quarantine in New York. Just looking out the window.
1: Belly doing of the well, beast, though. brother. Belly of the beast. Hey, have you seen any uh, looting or anything in, in, around where you live or no?
0: No, I have not. I have not seen any any of that. Uh, it looked like the main the main bit of all that took place in Brooklyn and then right. parts of uh, what I guess sort of looked like Lower East Side, Union Park, Madison Square Park area. But didn't see any of that. Didn't see any of that in my area. Um, there was a protest that was kind of near my house, and I think that something was set fire to it. But I think the firefighters got over there and the police blocked off the area and it just was it was shut down pretty quick. Oh, but, that's uh, good. Nothing, nothing uh, yeah,
1: that's good news. So, look, man. Um... Obviously, we have way too much to get to today. I'm finding it more and more difficult as the weeks go by uh, to navigate hosting a bi weekly podcast. I feel like the only way to do any of this justice is to do like a, a Rush Limbaugh, Ben Shapiro, three hours a day, five days a week thing. But um, I don't have time to do that, so we'll, we'll do what we can. Um, but I don't know, man. Just to start off the show, Tyler, like we were we were finally all on the same page on something. Like, we were all united as a country in demanding justice for George Floyd, for calling for changes in policing. And then right on on cue, man, the violent communists, the violent anarchists, mostly communists from the looks of it, started killing people, beating people, stealing property, and burning cities to the ground. So it's like, man, we were—I was actually encouraged. (laughs) Like, we were all on the same side of an issue for the first time ever. And right on cue, people have to mess it up.
0: I mean, that's just— There's a whole just subsection of the radical left that for some reason loves to kind of, you know, go full speed LARPing the purge. And it's just it's the most bizarre thing I've ever seen in my entire life. These people that live in their mom's basement eating granola, you know, I guess, you know, reading the Communist Manifesto, thinking that they're going to create some sort of great society. It's it's the most exhausting nonsense. And then the way that they go about doing it is burning down black businesses and stealing. From you know places that have you know black CEOs or you know black business owners, and it, it just it's the grossest thing I've ever seen. I, I I have yet to understand the logic behind some of this, and I I think it's just because very similar to our boy, uh, what was his name, uh, Alfred, and uh, the Dark Knight. I think some people just like to see the uh, the world burn a little bit.
1: Yeah, I think you're absolutely right, and like. For for a, a brief moment there, I was really encouraged that everybody on both sides of the political divide were were on the same page. But I think we we're actually making real progress. I think we we're actually moving you know slower than anybody would like, but towards systemic change. I mean, chiefs of police across the country were demanding change. I mean, <laughs> police unions, for goodness sakes, across the country were demanding change and calling out these cops and saying they should be in prison forever. I mean, dude, can you imagine that happening five years ago? Even two years ago? I mean, that that would seem unimaginable for chiefs of police to, uh, you know, violate the whole thin blue line thing and call cops out. That never would have happened, but it was happening. But these rioters don't care about that. I mean, these rioters don't care about black lives. They don't care about George Floyd. It's all about communism. It's like the left, they wake up every day and the answer is communism. They just look for the question. I mean, the radical left will, will take any excuse to call for communism and the destruction of America.
0: So it was pretty wild because there, there was this visual that I hope gets more play because I think it really is this It's indicative of how what happened over the weekend was hijacked by this radical left It was this image and I don't exactly know what, what city it was But you had a, just a lot of black people that were standing there, you know peacefully protesting hands up Don't shoot black lives matter, you know these 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 things that are you know, are chanted or said at, at, at different protests and Suddenly, you know, there's a there's a black man that's on his knees and it looks like like he's kind of in prayer or being contemplative in the face of police for George Floyd. He's got a George Floyd, you know, Stein or whatever. And there is a white dude wearing all black, black mask, goggles, all that, all that, that kind of Antifa looking nonsense. He walks towards the police with his hands in the air and basically stands probably five or six feet in front of the black man on his knees praying. And, put, and gets, like, right in the face of police with his hands up. And one by one, it's just, like, more and more white dudes that go up with their hands up in the air. But, and there's, like, not a single black person that goes and does this. And it's, like, it, it, it just was this funny, like, white knighting image that I was like, that's exactly what happened. That's literally what happened. You had a lot of people that were out there trying to peacefully protest. And you had these random people who decided, I'm going to try to stir the pot. And get the police to do something that then reinforces my prior notions of what I think that police brutality and blah 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 is. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, of course. A wild and, image. And this, uh, I mean, this this probably goes without saying, but of course this will backfire. I mean, do they, I mean, these left these leftists are burning American cities to the ground. Do you think cops are going to get less aggressive after this? Do you think the Do you think the American people, dude? The American people are sheep, brother. We have an uneducated, unintelligent electorate, unfortunately. Okay. Do you think the American people wants less of a police state after watching these commies burn their neighborhoods to the ground? Like, it's (laughs)
0: wild. It's wild too, because I mean, to your point, it's like cops have been doing you know the the whole notion about like five years ago. What would you have thought about that? I mean, that's exactly right. And I think that a lot of cops, a lot of police departments across the country have been doing a really good job community the outreach about educating people about what they can do because like what happens a lot of times and there was some law professor that had this quote and i can't think about what it was but it basically was like the greatest way to stop and find a serial killer is not the fbi but a traffic stop right and i've all that stuck with me for a long time because people don't realize that more and more often people's encounters with the police is how the police do a lot of their you know police work where they find people that have stolen cars that have weapons that you know We're committing all these like different crimes and police departments across the country have done a good job at making those interactions or when police stop you on the street, making those interactions, a positive, safe interaction for both parties. And they've been doing a better and better job at it and things like this cut against it because what happens is, you know, a cop walks up to your vehicle, he's got his hand on his gun, you're sitting in the car, you know, you've been told and instructed, most people, most people know to do this, but some people don't, where they, you know, you put your your phone on record, you grab your wallet, your insurance, you hold in your hand while you have your hand on the wheel, you roll down your window, and you're you're waiting for the officer to make the officer feel safe and make you feel safe. And, you know, I think more and more often, there's this weird, radical notion that I think is predominantly on the left, and maybe some of your libertarian buddies, where the first thing they're in their first instinct is to be like, why are you stopping me? Why are you pulling me over? Why are you doing this? And people have been better and more instructed at, at like, how to manage those relationships with the police and make the police feel more comfortable with your interaction, because the police are in daydream. Like people target police all the time. Clearly, you know, police get shot all the time. That's that's just a fact. They get shot at traffic stops. They get shot on the street. And so, when we try to limit those interactions, as they have over the past five or six years, I mean, hell, my firm sent me to Bronx Prep, and I gave like a three-hour lecture to four or three or four different classes about street law. You know what? What to do, you know, how to teach youth, mainly, you know, people of color that were in the classrooms that I saw, how to, like, engage with law enforcement. And I think more and more police are are in these interactions are happening. And that's making that relationship better. And what we saw over the weekend is just a complete destruction of that, where people are like, you know, police are going to obviously be more suspicious of individuals as they're having to have these interactions, which makes them more inclined to be violent. And therefore, that that it has a feedback loop because then if the police are more violent, then that encourages people to believe that violence is going to happen, which makes them act more suspicious, which makes the police act more suspicious, which is, and then and then there's always a flashpoint, and then we have a George Floyd, um, or not not necessarily George Floyd. That that situation was more just a ridiculous overexertion of force.
1: Right. And
0: you know, I I, I would love to get you know, I, I mean, we're going to get it in, in court, I imagine, unless they. The guy pleads guilty, which if, if he doesn't plead guilty, well, I don't know what he's thinking. That's crazy. But, uh, yeah. you know, I, I think that we're going to see, you know, things that have cut against that over the past weekend when all we should be doing is teaching people how to engage with the police. How can how can the police do things in order to make you feel like you're not going to get shot if they say, you know, please, please you know hands in the air, please, and you put your hands in the air, and then there's just some sort of like sudden movement or something to get shot. Like we've been... We, We've been getting better at that. We need to continue to get better at that. This weekend is completely undermined. You know people's trust in the police and the police trust in you know the people that they serve. It's just it's really sad and unfortunate.
1: Yeah, you're absolutely right. And it just it, it's just funny to me, man. Like just from not funny, it's the wrong word, but just from a strategic standpoint, it's peculiar.
0: It's the, peculiar. These people,
1: yeah. Yes, I mean these people went and in just 72 hours or so. They go from a cop murdering a man in cold blood. To making the cops the good guys again. Like three days later, now I I bet and obviously we haven't. There's no polling data out, but if you were just to poll your average American across all 50 states, like, hey, do you side with these people looting or do you side with the cops? The cops are gonna have like 95% support, even in the black community. You know, so it's like just strategically speaking, what are these morons thinking? It makes absolutely no sense. Um, before we move on, I. The, I mean, the news cycle has been a fire hose the last couple of weeks. I almost forgot mm-hmm. to mention it. But the, the cop that did murder George Floyd, uh, he's being charged with third-degree murder and second-degree manslaughter. A lot of people are upset. They they think he should get, you know, murder one. I Look, I think this is intentional. Obviously, we've seen a lot of these guys get off because they were overcharged. And I, I think that – I think it was intentional. I think they – most people agree that it took too long to arrest this guy. I think it was all intentional, man. The murder three charge, the waiting four days to arrest him. I thought that they were doing it intentionally and they kind of realized that the worst possible outcome uh, would be to overcharge this guy and he walks on a technicality or something. So I think I have no problem with the murder three charge. That's going to hold up. It's going to stick. He'll go to jail for, you know, 20, 25 years, whatever. I think I don't know. I, I think they're being careful and I think that's smart. I know I'm in the minority having that opinion, but what do you think?
0: Yeah. You know, that does happen a lot. I mean, with qualified immunity, it's it's oftentimes really difficult. Just the the relationship. That's what people don't understand. They want the other three guys charged. And I think that that's a that's a more complicated question than I think people realize is that, you know, what would you what would you charge them with? And it's sort of like, you know, if you really. I mean, I'd have to really get into like, you know, Minnesota statutes to kind of understand that and the relationship and, you know, the qualified immunity that police have in those situations. But I imagine that it's going to be difficult to charge the other three cops and, you know, the charge that they got against, uh, I don't even remember his name, the cop, I think is a smart charge because, you know, first degree murder is a, you know, is a forethought murder. Like you have to be, you know, going somewhere to shoot someone. That's like first-degree murder, and then there's right. you know different elements of of other types of murder depending on the state. Which you know, again, that's that's kind of my understanding. But I uh, I think it's smart to be cautious about how you apply justice because you obviously don't want, like you say, you to get off because of the perception that something is too harsh or fair. I mean, again, you know, jury nullification is like a real thing, and when it comes to This type of situation, I think it's wise to make a political calculation as well that you don't have the jurors thinking, okay, this is too far and against a cop, which is already something that you have in in, in general where people are more inclined to be on the side of cops than they are not just because, you know, cops do by and large make us a safer country and a safer places to live. So I think that it was a, a calculated decision by the prosecutor in order to prevent you know either a technicality or a jury nullification situation which you know for listeners jury nullification is when the jury it's you know they got somebody dead to rights but the jury doesn't think that they should apply the law in that way and they let you know they let people off that are clearly guilty so
1: right yeah I, I totally agree with that um if there's one bright spot here um It's hard to even speak in those terms. It's Killer Killer Mike. (laughs) (laughs) Killer Mike being the voice of reason. (laughs) Well, actually, that was a great speech by Killer Mike. Everybody should YouTube that. That was was incredible. But but, uh, if there's one bright spot in all this, uh, it's got to be the fact that the gun debate's over, right? I mean, it's over, right? Like the left clearly lost the gun debate over the weekend— I mean, imagine being the next Democrat that introduces some kind of gun grab bill in Congress. <laughs> I think, I really I, think that the American people are waking up and realizing how important the Second Amendment is.
0: Oh, I mean I you would be insane. You would be insane to be a Democrat and think, hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna take away concealed carry or I'm gonna make it really hard for you to like protect yourself in your own home.
1: I Who, mean who's the first the, one to do it? It's gotta be Swalwell, right? He's gonna be like the to— the guy's the, guy the be. softest,
0: softest dude in Congress, I've never, I've never seen someone that talks such a big. Well, never mind. I can think of one person I've right but the, uh, I've never seen someone that pretends to be such like a, a strong man, and then does the softest bit of nonsense. Like imagine <laughs> telling other Americans, actually, sir, we're not going to let you protect your family with a handgun. We're going to make you have fifty hurdles. And I mean, he'd probably, I mean, he'd be on the side of an intruder if you know, if it did, if it did the, you know, if it pulled right. Because it's just like, that's what he does. Just soft. It's so soft. Like, imagine someone breaking into your home and you're protecting, you know, your wife and children and then having to, like, think about, I wonder what will that law, that that <laughs> don't have to stand my ground or do I have to walk? I mean, you know, you, you only see, like, the the extreme crazy cases where, like, clearly someone was in the wrong and then they analyze the law and they're like, OK, that's ridiculous. Like the Florida stand your ground law where, like, I forget that guy's name that you know went after and, and murdered, you know, Trayvon Martin. I mean, he got off on like the stand your ground and there was like a whole debate in Florida about stand your ground or whatever. But then the lion's share of stand your ground stuff was people breaking into each other's homes, and prior to that you had to kind of flee out the back door as to right. not confront an intruder. And rather than do that, you could just shoot an intruder and protect your home and protect your family. And it's just it's ridiculous. Swalwell, he is soft. Gosh. I just—I've never—you know, I, I'm kind of of the age of men being men, and that dude, if, you know, it pulled right for him to need to wear, like, a dress to Congress, that dude that dude would, you know, take off his suit in a minute. Like, he's just soft.
1: Oh, yeah. Biscuit soft. Butter soft. I, it could be Beto calling for the next—oh, no, Beto's not in Congress anymore. He's unemployed, isn't he? Yeah, he's not in Congress. He's just <laughs> he's wandering around
0: and—yeah taking doing like a travel blog or something i don't know, I
1: don't know eating dirt in new mexico or whatever that, that ridiculous story was the healing dirt what what, what is
0: the deal with the De- with the democrats just always like their heroes are just these like
1: bitches <laughs> d- <dudes. laughs> I, know, I
0: know like the the guy uh you know john ossoff he's back like dudes dudes barely held a job and he's gonna be you know he might be like the democratic you know senatorial candidate in georgia like give me a break.
1: I know it it just it makes no sense too because even the guys that I mean, I definitely think that uh that Swalwell's a little wuss, but like even the, the, the Democrats in, in Congress that aren't have to pretend to be. Like dude, Corey Booker was a like an elite level D one athlete. He was the starting tight end. Oh, he was the starting tight end and team captain at Stanford. I, I okay, like it, he's, he's a, a dude. It's, it's, he's a beast. About, yeah. He's a beast. He has to act like this we, little yeah, like, we, we vegan. This. So weird. Feminist or whatever. It's like, oh, it's so strange. Well, the thing that I
0: don't understand, and you and I have talked about this before, back when Cory Booker was still in the presidential race. It, and I've thought about this a lot since. It's like it's this weird notion I feel like and perceive on the left that if you're a feminist, that somehow means you have to be like delicate. As right. if you can't be like a man <laughs> and, you know, treat women with respect and like be a man about it. You right. know, like come, coming in from the woods after chopping down a tree, like you you can just be kind and courteous and respectful to your wife and be a feminist and think that she can have a job. Like you don't have to be like, hey, like, let me be this like delicate wallflower. It's like, you know, <laughs> it's, it's, it's about equality. It's not about like softening to where you're you can just puddle in the road i don't know. i never understood that from the from the left
1: yeah i never understood it either so look i you are seeing some positive developments regarding the second amendment uh across the country you're seeing business owners including minority business owners standing guard outside of their stores you know armed to the teeth making sure that that people don't destroy their property you saw the korean gentleman on the roofs of their uh their businesses. <laughs> I, I don't know if it was in uh, in LA or where it was, but I, I think we need to put a uh, Korean with a machine gun on top of every store. But, um, is it, you, know, you are
0: that from like the LA riots. I, I, think it yeah, I, I think it was from.
1: Yeah, I think it was.
0: like, that's, that's like the, that's where that, that kind of like concept began.
1: Right. Which is,
0: you know, pretty I, wild.
1: We're, we're seeing these, these riots everywhere. Um, even in my hometown, Toledo, Ohio, there were, it started off peaceful and then, As soon as the sun went down, they started uh, burning things and destroying and and robbing stores and stuff like that. Um, It's not going to stop. I'm I'm seeing a lot of stuff that you know, Antifa and these other communist groups are organizing uh, big riots for tonight as well. Look, until people start defending en masse their property with deadly force, this is not going to stop. I mean, if somebody is destroying your property or trying to hurt you, shoot them in the chest. If they're wearing a vest, shoot them in the face. Okay, that's the only way the cops, especially the cops in in some of these leftist areas, will not save you, even if they wanted to, even if their mayors hadn't given, given, you know, stand down orders in some cases. There's not enough cops to go around anyway. Don't don't rely on the cops. Defend your property with lethal force. That's the only way this ends.
0: Yeah, for I mean, you know, I think that that might be that's a little more libertarian uh, of a view than than I have. I mean, I, I would like to believe that if. If people, you know, you know, I talked about before we, we got going live. I mean, the, you know, we need leadership from the president and all that kind of nonsense. I mean, what we really need to see is, is mayors actually engaging with the public and doing things to diffuse these situations. I mean, it's, you know, going to the protest, knowing where they're, where they're going to be, having a police presence that curbs them from going different places. I, You know, you saw like Charlottesville is a great example of how this could go really, really badly. You know, Charlottesville had the police force had tried to plan out a situation. So where the protesters and the counter protesters, you know, the, the kind of Nazi Confederate people versus like the, you know, just regular folks didn't like directly interact with each other. And they did so in such a bad way where they flowed them into each other, you know, as far as like moving people around. And you see this, you know, and New York is clearly capable of doing it. They've done it. During, like, the gay pride parade, where they funnel people in a particular way, and you have to, you know, you can't just, like, walk up and down Main Street. They do it during parades. They do it They do it all the time. But for some reason, all of these police forces across the nation, especially in major cities, didn't have the sophistication to, you know, isolate these protests in a specific area. I mean, some of these protests were small. And they, they had, like, lethal... Uh, or not lethal. I mean, but they they all devolved in the looting. It's like, how did you guys not, not protect against this? Like, this is you guys host like sports events. You guys host you know parades and stuff, and you guys are able to kind of police a large group of people and move them around and whatever. But for some reason, when it comes to these protests, it's just like, oh, I don't know, we, we had no idea. And I just I, I don't know. There's there's something there that I I don't know exactly what the what the gap is but they're clearly capable of doing so and are unwilling to or unable to. And I don't know. I don't know why that is, but they need to, they need to buckle down and they need to put the police in in place to keep these things from happening because the the nightmare scenario is what you're talking about. And it hasn't happened yet, which is surprising. The nightmare scenario is somebody inside their shop, someone breaks a window and a business owner shoots a person dead. And I don't know what happens in that situation. And it, if that if that starts happening, where Americans are killing Americans because the police are unable to do their job, we have a fundamental breakdown of civil society, some of which I don't know would be recoverable.
1: Well, I don't necessarily disagree, but some of that—unfortunately, some of that killing is going to have to happen unless these people stop rioting. I mean, unless these violent leftists stop destroying property— Business owners are going to have to shoot them dead. They're going to have to. There's not. Oh, what, what's the alternative? Just lay down and let them kill you and destroy your life savings, your life's work. I mean, that doesn't seem very realistic. I mean, I guess it. You're right. Every mayor in America could order their police force to, to lock everything down and protect all the, all this private property. But I mean, you know, New York City has 35,000 cops. I mean, that's a standing army, man. They have more cops per capita than any other city in the country. Um, you know, most local police forces just can't. They don't have the numbers. Like in Toledo, Ohio, we're a city of 300,000 people, and we only have like a few hundred beat cops. I mean, there's just not, you know, there's not enough manpower to go around. Like these, unless these people wise up and go home to their mom's basement and stop destroying property, I, I don't see another alternative to people defending their property with violence. I, I just don't see an alternative to it.
0: Yeah, no. So I, I mean, I, I hear that point. And I think, and I think that that's a valuable, that's a valuable perspective. But like, what I think at that situation when that occurs, what you have to do is the police force then has to hire people because then there's a greater need. Because when you have the difference between a police officer administering the arm of basically protecting civil society from itself, that's the function of the police. And so when the police are not Serving that function to the level that they need to serve the function to respond to the public need then what you're having is individuals essentially becoming vigilantes Within their own business protecting their own business and so instead of having cops enforcing and upholding civil society you're having Individuals play this sort of like Hobbesian Wild West Situation where they're having to protect their own stuff through lethal intent and lethal force and I'm not sure I'm not sure how long civil society can maintain itself when there's a fundamental breakdown that the police are not there. When you call 911, they will not not come. And when that happens, I'm not sure that we can recover from that.
1: That happened last night. I know. Across Chicago, there was reports of all kinds of business owners saying, you know, a guy just stole my safe. They just stole my crash register. They just just burned my building down. And 911 operators were hanging up on them because there's nothing they could do. So I— I hear you, man. I just think we might have progressed past, uh, p- past the the point of no return at least for now. But I don't know. I, I hope you're right. I, you know, I, I hope you're right, but I don't know. Because my my, con-
0: my concern is the, is the is it is when the inverse happens, right? Like when you have a situation where people are protecting themselves, right? And the and the and the situation that you describe, someone breaks in your business, and instead of, of the police being able to stop that situation or being able to police that situation, you just shoot that person dead. Okay, the inverse of that situation is realizing you know what like the government and cops aren't able to administer justice properly because that's what you're kind of seeing a little bit of the rhetoric that you know what this this protesting is backlash this is a way in which we can kind of level the playing field we can you know we harm a cop or whatever you know whatever they they took the life of george floyd so then what happens if say for example that these violent protests became even more violent earlier and they just decided to burn down that guy's house with his family in it, the cop, before he was arrested. At that point, I'm not entirely sure how exactly certainly leftism would respond to that, because then you would have had immediate justice, life or life, very like Hammurabi code. And at the same time, there would be a breakdown of where the right would have to say, well, the outcome, I guess, would have been the same. I mean, I mean, he's not gonna he's not gonna get the death penalty, obviously. But, I mean, he he would presumably get 15, 20 years in prison. Um, but there's been a – the way that justice was administered was by the mob versus by the arm of justice. And so when people are looking at that and saying, well, that was way more efficient of a way of which we could administer justice, I don't know that some lefties could put it back in the box. Like there are a lot of young people that look at that and would, would say, well, that was the quickest way that we got ex- – exactly what we wanted and so that's where if police are not serving the need that they need to be serving we need to have more police we we can't have individuals administering justice because in the one one case when you're breaking the property I mean the difference between you defending your property and administering justice I mean they go hand in hand right like if someone comes in my house to kill me and my family and I immediately kill them in, in some capacity I've administered justice right and so like but that's like a small, tiny flashpoint. But if it keeps going to the point that, like, that's just the general way of reckoning in society, I don't know how long the fabric of society holds up. Do you see what I'm saying?
1: Yeah, I see what you're saying. I I just don't—and I'm not advocating for vigilantism or anything like that, of of course. I just I think there's a a difference between tracking down the guy that killed your friend and killing him and his family and defending private property. I mean, one— Violates the non-aggression principle, and the other one does not. So I think there's just a different in kind. I agree.
0: I I agree with you. I agree with you.
1: Well, all right. So we one more topic before I let you go. And if if my take on uh, guns is too libertarian for you, then check this out. (laughs) (laughs) You alluded to it earlier. We mentioned this briefly before we started recording, but something I don't know exactly what tweet it was or who it was uh, yesterday that set me off. But I just got pissed off yesterday. I went on a bit of a tweet storm. I probably shouldn't have, but it happens to the best of us from time to time, I suppose. I'm not getting into the politics of all this. I'm going to get into the politics of this on Wednesday because there's a lot to break down there. I don't know what Trump should be doing. I don't know what governors should be doing. I don't know what mayors should be doing. Too long of a topic for today. I'll get to it later in the week. Uh, But I hate, I absolutely hate when people demand that the government, quote, just do something, right? That's, That's all you're saying. Do something. Trump, do something. Just do something. We need leadership. One, that's extremely dangerous. When the government just does something, that rarely works out the way you want it, brother. That is that is one of the most dangerous things you can ask a government to do, is something, because they'll do something. They will absolutely do something, and you're probably not going to like it. And just the, right. all the cries of our friends, like mutual friends of ours, people on the right, you know, conservatives everywhere, just tweeting at Trump incessantly, saying... President Trump, we need a leader. Just lead. Do an Oval Office address. right? Lead us. Tell us what to do. This this shit is pathetic. This is pathetic. I'm a grown man. I'm 31 years old. I don't need daddy government in D.C. to lead me. I'll lead myself. I will lead my family. I'll lead my community. What is wrong with these people? My goodness, I don't care what Donald Trump says from the Oval Office. I don't care what Governor DeWine says. I don't... you're, you're an adult. Be an adult. Man up. You do not need your overlords in D.C. to tell you what to do. It's just weird, man. It's gross. I don't like—maybe it. it it's—and I'm talking about the right. I know the left loves the state. I mean, they're they're all statists. They love big government. I get it. I'm talking about people on our side of the aisle. It's just gross, man, and I, I doubt they would be doing it if a Democrat were in office, and I guess—I don't know. That maybe makes it even more gross. It's all gross. I don't like any of it. Your thoughts? <laughs>
0: I love it. You, get, you got a lot of fire right now. Um, yeah, I mean, th- the thing that I don't understand is, number one, I mean, not to, uh, you know, I know you're going to talk about the political stuff of it later, but I mean, number one, it wouldn't matter what Donald Trump said. If it was not. the greatest speech ever written that, you know, that harkened to Lincoln, like it wouldn't matter. Nobody is going to think that it was a great speech. No one's going to no one's going to change their, their priors. It is literally you're either a Trump person or you're not a Trump person. That is, that is the way that political alignment is as we go into this 2020 election. Right. And you know, the whole, you know, the fellow travelers thing with, you know, Trump and judges and stuff like there's a little bit of that too. But like, that's, that's what this boils down to. If Trump goes in uh, in the oval office and gives an impassioned speech, that's not going to do anything that, that curbs people that their notions about who Donald Trump is as Donald Trump. If they hate, him they're gonna continue looting they're gonna continue doing things there's no there's no national healing moment that comes from the president standing in the Oval Office saying something there there would be a think piece the next day in the Atlantic or in the New York Post or New York uh, New York Times and The Washington Post you know Donald Trump fails in his Oval Office moment Donald Trump unable to be in touch with like the plight of the black man like all of those would be think pieces the next day you know this I know this and frankly like some of it some of it would be right you know, but at the end of the day, you don't need a, a speech from the Oval Office in order to understand that there is a there is a fundamental breakdown of how civil society functions going on. And the only thing that can fix it is governors, local politicians, local police departments, creating inroads with people that are willing to cre- create inroads, arresting people that are trying to, to loot and do you know crazy anarchist type of stuff. And that's how this goes, because, you know, the, the thing that I don't want and I, I don't know why. I'm seeing these calls for this is oh hey like let's just Trump should just call up the you know the the guard and have you know administer the guard and uh, a police state and blah blah. blah. It's like are you are you out of your mind? You want you want madness like because you know with Trump you're like oh yeah like I guess you know I, I guess he's on our our you know our side whatever that means. But if if Barack Obama after like you know something had been like hey we're gonna we're gonna have a police state everybody's everybody's under a Perfume. We're gonna have the National Guard. Blah blah blah. You just seen all of these people. You seen every conservative, every one of these people. Oh, we need a we need a White House address. You just seen every single one of these people be like, "This is a bridge too far. The military is not supposed to serve this function unless in times of just absolute abject chaos or some sort of national emergency, and it needs to stop and it needs to stop now." Like I'm old enough to remember, what is it, six days ago, when there was like, "Open it back up." protests and people were like, how dare these governments tell us to be you know, under curfew and to stay home and all mm-hmm. this stuff.
1: Mm-hmm. And yet
0: five days later, mm-hmm. they're like, oh, my God, we need Daddy Trump to come in <laughs> and we need a, we need a curfew and we need National Guard <laughs> in the streets and like their Humvees like with guns and everything like, please, please, Daddy. And it's like, what? are you are you guys OK?
1: I know. I know you go but, from protesting lockdowns to demanding lockdowns. Because you're scared because insane because a, a freaking five five hundred and ten pound white communist college student mm-hmm. burned a building down now you want a police state it's like what like I just don't yeah I, I it's absolute madness one thing one more thing before I let you go, man, yep, yeah. obviously we've seen millions of people rioting and protesting uh across the country. if there isn't, obviously, I pray to God, we do not see a spike in coronavirus deaths or cases, mm-hmm. but if we don't. We just destroyed the global economy for absolutely no reason, and a lot of people are going to have a lot of explaining to do. And I'm somebody, dude. I wear a mask when I go to the store. I, you know, I was wearing gloves for a while. Now, not doing the glove thing anymore. But I've been taking it seriously. My wife's been tested for it. All, all this. Stuff. I'm not. I'm not this like, oh, it's all hoax, fake news. Just oh, do whatever you want. I'm not, I'm not saying that. But if we do not see a spike in deaths in a place like Minneapolis after all this protesting and rioting. who boy. who boy. We're going to, a lot of people are going to have a lot of explaining to do.
0: You know, I, I, was actually having this conversation the other day with, uh, with my brother and, and look like, I already think that a lot of people have a lot of explaining to do because, Oh, I agree. My right. personal view of a lot of this is that when you, when you encounter an emergency situation that you don't fully understand, you're, First instinct should be, how do we limit, you know, how do we figure out a way to have the least cost government intervention into people's lives to free people out? And we have to, you know, the way that this could have been done and done well is by protecting the most vulnerable immediately, doing doing different things that, that didn't just destroy everything for the sake of destroying everything. But instead, what we saw was the most heavy handed administering of policy that we've seen in this country since probably like world war two. Right. And I, I, for the life of me, don't know why there isn't more thoughtfulness about, I mean, we, we've been sitting in quarantine for, for weeks, months. Okay. Yeah.
1: Three months, and going the on best, three months. The
0: best thing that we get is these, these little like weird phased reopenings of different businesses of which are the most general unspecific Bits of nonsense where, like, if you try to figure out the New York plan to reopen, I mean, I, I, work, I, work, I work at a law firm and, like, listening to people at our law firm who are trying and, and, and interacting with these people to try to, like, figure out when we can reopen, and even they are some con- confused sometimes. I've been on conference calls where it's like, well, guys, like, we think it's going to be this, but we're not sure. I mean, imagine planning a business that way. You'd be like, well, guys, like, in a couple months, we might be like this or might be like this. Like, how could you ever make decisions based upon that? And so, secondly, I am old enough to remember that when there was like a pool party in um, Ozark, you know, there was three, three think pieces about it. And there was like 50, you know, news stories about, oh my God, Ozark is going to be like like a new hotbed because of like a, a pool party. And then yesterday, you know, I'm looking at people in Brooklyn that are some wearing masks, some are not wearing masks, but there's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people, none of which are six feet apart. And I'm just like, if there's not a spark, if there's not a spike, things should reopen tomorrow. Yes. Because that is insane, and we need to be getting people back to work. You know, forty something million people are out of work. This, you know, every Thursday, the number is going to go up, and it will continue to go up. And I just don't. Do you guys? Um. I'm just got a got a funny text. If someone could help, <laughs> have me ghost write an op ed for them interesting um i always i always get those those texts and it's like well what's the op-ed and then then it's like some crazy opinion and i'm like hey man I'm not your guy on this. <laughs> I'm like, that's not my that's not my thing
1: really don't um, want to put my name on that one
0: yeah, yeah let's well I, it's just like you know if someone if someone's like oh man i'll pay you to ghost right now i'm gonna put my name on it but then it's like oh you know why we should you know we should no longer have churches i'm like all right, <laughs> all right guy like i don't know i don't know why you thought i was your guy on this but, but sure um so, yeah. But anyways, the uh, but yeah, we'll see how it goes, man. But if if there's not a big spike after this weekend, I frankly don't know why we can't, you know, protect nursing homes, protect people with pre existing conditions and, and try to see if we can make sort of a least cost way to get everybody back to, you know, I mean, just just working, man. Like people people are getting like having like long term problems that are going to continue and be exacerbated because of this. And, you know, I'm not I'm certainly not a coronavirus denier. and never have been when all the numbers were coming out of China at the beginning. I was like, "Ooh, boy, praying that that's a SARS thing where it just SARS just sort of magically just it just disappeared one day in Hong Kong. I was kind of hoping for that. But, you know, when I was getting texts and emails and phone calls and messages from people saying a couple of Chinese doctors went missing, I was like, oh, no, we need to we need to be we need to be protecting ourselves. But. I think I think now we, we need people in power that just can can create plans to get people back to work in a meaningful way and in a safe way. And I just I just have no confidence in some of these people because everyone's incentive is to not have any cases rather than to protect people and try to like move the ball forward rather than just being like politically super safe, which is I think what Cuomo is doing, which I think is what some of the you know liberal governors and mayors because they have no incentive to open back up. What you know a spike happens they pay, you know, they pay a political price for that and you know A lot of that political price they can kind of push up the totem pole to Donald Trump And so I think a lot of people were like, well, let's just wait Let's just let's just see what happens Let's just wait and I think people have been saying that for a long time because when you think about how this all started They were like two weeks stop the spread, you know We'll see you guys in 14 days and here we are two three months into this and it's like well We did what we did, you know, I mean I don't know anybody that wasn't strictly observing quarantine. I don't know anybody.
1: All right. I just, with, with all these riots and protests, I I don't think there's a case to be made for any business owner that doesn't want to open his business to stay closed. I mean, in most of these cities, especially Democrat run cities, the cops just aren't really arresting anybody. Uh, even the violent looters and rioters, they're, they're really just letting people do whatever they want. So it's like, if you're a pastor, just open your church, bro. You know, if you're a business owner, just open up. What are, what are you gonna? What are they gonna say? No, you have to social distance. Really? Just tell them to turn on CNN and look look at the riots. You know, I, I don't really think there's a, a legitimate case to be made anymore. But all right, man. I know. I, I know. I got to let you go. I've kept you over time like I always do. But uh, where can everybody. No, follow you online. Where can everybody read your stuff and keep in touch and all that good stuff?
0: Yeah. Follow me on Twitter. I think my handle is like Ty Gregory Grant, and uh, I'm gonna have some more articles up at Washington Examiner shortly. So. Follow along. Let's keep the conversation going.
1: Absolutely. Everybody follow Tyler. He's great. Uh, That's all I got for today. I'm Brady Leonard. I'll be back on Wednesday. No gimmicks.